Hey, this is Steve. This podcast is all about making the gospel relevant to your life. That means discovering the good news of Jesus, no matter what you're going through today. Jesus went through something, didn't he? Immediately after the mountaintop experience of his baptism, the Holy Spirit drove him into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days. What? Why would God send Jesus into the wilderness for that purpose and for that amount of time? What is going on here and what did it prove? Hey, good morning, Orchard Church. I'm so sorry I could not be there live and in person uh, to be with you today, but man, I really want to get this message to you. So I thought I'd put it on video, especially after what happened in the room last Sunday. What an incredible worship service we had last week where we got to have amazing music. We were able to do communion together and we baptized 14 people across three different services last Sunday. What an amazing mountaintop experience. There's nothing like a mountaintop experience, right? Maybe you remember one of your own personal mountaintop experiences. Maybe it was the day you came to know Jesus. You gave your life to him and you really felt his presence in your life. You felt on fire for him. Maybe you were a teenager and you went away to camp for the summer and you really heard the word of the Lord and the Holy Spirit worked in you, spoke to you, uh, and did stuff in your life. You were strong. You were on top of that mountain. You were on fire for him. Maybe you did a deep study in his word and were led closer and closer to him. Or, or maybe one of the best ones, maybe you led someone to Christ and you felt the Holy Spirit speaking through you, using you uh, to bring that person to Jesus. Man, there's nothing like a mountaintop experience. So we're going to pick up today right where we left off two weeks ago. Jesus has his own mountaintop experience, right? He's baptized by John the Baptist. He goes down in the water and he comes up again and the Holy Spirit descends on him and he hears his father's voice saying, this is my son. I am well pleased with you. It's really an incredible mountaintop experience. So good. I can't wait to read on and see what happens next. So let's do just that. Let's look at what happens next in Mark chapter 1 verses 12 and 13. So Jesus is baptized and then the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. Wait a minute, what? He's, he's just had this mountaintop experience. He's heard the voice of God himself. And then what happens? The spirit drove him out into the wilderness. The word literally says he drove him out, drove out. It's the same terminology that's used when Jesus is driving out demons. He goes from this mountaintop experience to the Spirit driving him out into the wilderness. He's going to be alone there in the wilderness. Nobody else around. It's dangerous. The Spirit's driven him into this lonely, dangerous place. There's wild animals. 
you've probably been camping before and in the middle of the night you hear that rustling in the bushes and you don't know what it is or those weird animal sounds you're not sure what it is it's right outside your tent it's dangerous out there in the wilderness and here he's tempted by satan the spirit sends him to the wilderness where he's attacked by satan so so you see what we're learning here already is the first blank on your page that satan attacks in the wilderness satan attacks in the wilderness he's a master strategist your enemy doesn't attack you on the mountaintop dude that's when you're strong that's when you're fired up that's when you're most connected to christ he doesn't want to come against you when you're strong he wants to attack you when you are weak so satan attacks in the wilderness we've talked about the jewish mindset on wilderness it's bad it's it's not good it's more than just simple chaos the wilderness is a place of spiritual concern right there is evil there is torment there is anguish in the wilderness it's where satan seems to have the upper hand over everyone and that brings chaos into your life when you're in the wilderness and here's jesus out there amidst this evil chaos and he's being tormented he's there for 40 days so he's hungry he's lonely i'm sure if it's me i'm going to be fearful because of the animals that are out there and where am i going to get my next food and what's going to happen to me and if it's me out there, I'm probably really going to doubt a lot. I don't think Jesus did, but I sure would, right? I mean, think about it. I just had this mountaintop experience, and now the Spirit has driven me out into the wilderness. Why, Why did God force me out like that? I thought He was pleased with me. I, I thought He wanted me uh, to, to please Him, but now He's driven me out. John said, I'm the one, but maybe I'm not the one after all. Well, I'm glad it was Jesus and not me because I think I would be fearful and I would doubt. And it's out here in this awful place. That's where Satan attacks him. Now, Mark doesn't tell us what the specific temptations are, but Matthew and Luke give us some insight. And you've seen some of these before, right? In Matthew 4, 3, uh, he tells us that um, Satan tells Jesus, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Hey, I know you're hungry. You can fix this. You can abuse your supernatural power for yourself, right? Or he says, if you're the son of God, jump off the pinnacle of this temple. Just jump off. You're not going to get hurt. You can use your supernatural power to help yourself. Right. Or he says, look, uh, look at all the kingdoms of this world. I'll give all these kingdoms to you. All you got to do is kneel down and worship me. Right. You're supposed to take over the world. You're supposed to be the supernatural Messiah. Don't worry. We can still make this happen. You're out here in the wilderness all alone. God doesn't want you. But listen, if you work for me, we can do this together. Right? Jesus's temptation is all about, next blank on your page, taking the shortcut. It's all about taking matters into his own hands, about seeing the goal and trying to accomplish it himself. At least that's the way it always works with me. You know, I, I'm tempted when I think I'm not getting what I need, what I want. 
I'm tempted when I'm in the wilderness and I'm weak because, well, I don't have what I deserve. And so I try to, you know, I try to take things into my own hands. I, I try to make things happen myself. So I'm tempted to self gratify. I'm tempted to self glorify. Instead of waiting on the Lord, I try to make it happen on my own. And what I prove is that I really don't trust God. I sin often when I'm tempted. But Jesus went through this 40-day long temptation, and he never sinned. He didn't sin once. He stood in the word, and he resisted the devil. He did this for 40 days, 40 days in the wilderness. I, I can't even hardly imagine that because I give in pretty early. You know, I don't know what it's like to hold out for 40 days. I, I give in. Sometimes it's not a week. Sometimes it's not a day. Sometimes it's not an hour. Sometimes I'm tempted and I just give right in. But for 40 days, Jesus stood against the temptation from Satan. Right? And I know what maybe some of you guys are thinking. In 40 days, good grief, great. Jesus doesn't even know what it's like to walk in my shoes. He doesn't know what it's like to be in this broken marriage for 10 years now. He doesn't know what it's like to be in this pain that I'm in for 20 years now. He doesn't know what it's like to be estranged, to be brokenhearted, uh, to have gone through this evil, terrible time that I went through and I'm still dealing with years and decades later. So Jesus, 40 days, great. Good job, Jesus. Way to go. Slow clap. But really, I mean, is that what you think about Jesus? Do you think that these 40 days were the only time that Jesus was tempted? Remember, Jesus had to walk this earth just like you and I do, and he was tempted all the time, every day of his life. I'm sure he was tempted at 12 years old to dishonor his parents when they didn't understand what he was doing in the temple and they chastised him uh, for not going with them. I'm sure he was tempted to steal as a young boy to support his widow mom and his four siblings after his dad passed away early. You know, that culture was not kind to widows at all. And I'm sure he was tempted to steal and provide I'm sure Jesus was tempted to covet the incredible possessions of Zacchaeus, who vowed to give most everything away for Jesus. Jesus could have easily said, great, give some of it to me. If you want to be blessed in heaven, give some of it to me. And he could have walked away with some stuff from Zacchaeus, yet Jesus himself said that he had no place to lay his head. I'm sure he was tempted to get revenge when they told lie after lie after lie about him, when they gave him accusation after accusation, I'm sure he was tempted to get revenge on them once and for all. I'm sure he was tempted to get the last word against the Pharisees who could not even answer the question he was asking. He could have made fools out of them, but he didn't. I'm sure he was tempted to lust when Mary Magdalene leaned over him to anoint him with oil. I'm sure he was tempted to lie when surrounded by soldiers and weapons and hammers and nails. He was asked again, are you the Christ? I'm sure he was tempted 
to lie. Jesus was tempted hard every day for 33 years, yet, next blank on your page, Jesus never even sinned once. He never sinned even one single time. So why? Why why does he have to go through all this? Why does the Holy Spirit drive Jesus into the wilderness for this temptation? I think Mark is showing us clearly why. He says he was out there for 40 days. Yeah, there's something about that 40 days. I mean, think about it. Biblically, Noah, his reign lasted for 40 days. Moses was on the mountain receiving instructions from God for 40 days. Elijah was called to Mount Sinai and it took him 40 days. Each of these three people were deliverers of God's people. Not to mention the fact that God's own people, get this, after they, look at this, went through the water, then they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. God's showing us something with this number 40. Here's what he says to the people of Israel in Deuteronomy. He says, remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Is Jesus being tested here, remember, one of the definitions of a test is that it's a procedure for critical evaluation. It's a means of determining the presence, quality, or truth of something, right? Jesus is being proven to be something. Peter gives us a pretty strong hint in 1 Peter 2. He says that he, that's Jesus, never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Jesus was tempted and he never sinned. And that sinlessness makes him something. It makes him our perfect high priest. Remember, is a priest that mediates between God and man. A priest speaks to God on man's behalf, on behalf of his people. And the book of Hebrews tells us a lot about Jesus as our high priest. In Hebrews 7, it says that he, Jesus, is the kind of high priest that we need because he is holy and blameless, unstained by sin. He's been set apart from sinners and has been given the highest place in honor in heaven. Unlike those other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices every day. They did this to offer their sins first and then for the sins of the people. But Jesus did this once for all when he offered himself as a sacrifice for the people's sins. Yeah, what this passage is telling us is that we need a priest. We need someone to speak in heaven on our behalf. And all the worldly priests are somewhere on the sin spectrum. 
Yeah, all of all of humanity is somewhere on the sin spectrum. Maybe you're a one or a two or a three. Maybe you're far from God and you got a lot of sin in your life. But a priest should be holy. A priest should be as close to God as possible. But even the most holy among us, what are we, like a seven or an eight? Maybe a nine. Maybe let's just assume that a holy human priest is a nine on the sin spectrum. He's barely got any sin in his life at all. But you know what? Even that one degree of sin is a deal breaker. It's a deal breaker because the wages of sin, any sin, is death. And any priest has to pay for his own sin. And it requires the shedding of blood, right? You got to pay for sin by the shedding of blood, by a sacrifice. And so worldly priests are only so good for us. And we keep having to go to them over and over again. And they keep having to make sacrifice over and over and over again, because it's never quite enough due to the fact that we're all on the spectrum. That's why Jesus is such a great high priest, because he is the only one that is nowhere on the spectrum. Jesus is above the spectrum because he has no sin of his own. Jesus himself was able, since he had no sin, to take our sin upon himself. And he went to the cross bearing our sin in his body. And he paid the price that we deserve to pay himself on that cross. He died for us and he rose again three days later so that he can give us eternal life and can mediate for us on our behalf. Hebrews 5 says that even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. In this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest, and he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. So why does he have to go to the wilderness to be tested? Why does he have to go out there for 40 days? The next blank on your page tells us is that because it's Jesus identifying as the perfect high priest. Jesus was identified in the wilderness as the perfect high priest. He alone is qualified to mediate with God on our behalf. But that's not the only reason. No, there's a whole other reason that Jesus is out there in the wilderness to be tempted. Look at what it says in Hebrews 4. It says that since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, that's Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For Look at this. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Not only does Jesus identify as the perfect high priest, but the next blank on your page, Jesus identifies with us. He identifies with us. He knows what we have to bear in our wilderness chaos. So we love the mountaintop experience, but we are careful of the wilderness ourselves, right? In 1 Corinthians, Paul tells us that if you think you're standing strong, if you feel like you're on the mountaintop, be careful, be careful, you might fall. 
The temptations in your life are no different than what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Yeah, when you're walking through your own wilderness chaos, he speaks with his father about you on your behalf. He knows what you are dealing with. He's been through it himself. And he walks with you, even in the wilderness, so you can cast your cares upon him. He sees your struggle and he creates a path for you so you can walk strong with him. We all find ourselves in the wilderness from time to time. We all find ourselves in the place where we're in a weakened state and we feel like we're alone and abandoned by God. We feel like he's forgotten about us. We remember the mountaintop, but now we're walking in the wilderness chaos. All of us get there. Peter himself had the same problem. He, he remembered what it was like to be in the presence of Jesus. He was there on the mountain, the literal mountain, when Jesus was transfigured. But yet Peter was beaten. He was whipped. He was imprisoned time and again. And this guy writes to us and he says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. That's why Paul writes in Romans that we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance helps develop strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. When you're walking through the wilderness chaos, maybe God's allowing circumstances to test your faith. Maybe you're being just like Jesus during those 40 days where the enemy's attacking and you are standing on the word and relying in the spirit and resisting the devil so that he will flee from you. Yeah, God never tempts you. The scripture is clear. God will never be the one to tempt you, but he will use this testing time to prove your faith to you and show you where you really stand with him and strengthen you so that you will walk strongly with him. You are not alone in the wilderness. The last blank on your page is just because you're in the wilderness doesn't mean he's abandoned you. He is your great high priest. He knows what you're going through. He's been through the terrible attack of Satan himself. He has endured it for longer than you have, and he still walks strong, and he calls you to walk strong alongside him. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He is your ever-present help in time of need, and he's always strengthening you.